Jesus, help us to understand your word, as weird as it can be sometimes, so that we can be more like you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, last summer, I was in London studying what some other churches are doing. I stayed at a very cheap hotel. And the people in the room above me were like just super noisy. It, it sounded like they were moving furniture till 3 a.m. every night. And I'm a light sleeper, so I did not feel honored in that. I did not feel respected. And it's a little bit like this video I saw a couple months ago, kind of tongue-in-cheek video. And if you have ever lived in an apartment, you might be able to relate to this. So, what does being an upstairs neighbor mean to you? Uh, it means we make sound. People think of neighborly noise as a nuisance, but we think of it as an art form. <laughs> we want the sounds to be different, but completely unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. It, it just sounds like bowling balls. That can't be what it is, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like bowling balls. Is it a bowling ball? Is it a metal barrel? You never know because sometimes we get metal barrels. <laughs> you knew we were twisted, though. <laughs> Their ceiling is our stage, mm-hmm. and we're dancing across it. Yes. Uh, it is work. You know, we often take shifts uh, to create the illusion that nobody here sleeps. Mm-hmm. giant is learning how to walk. And all of that hard work really pays off when we get to meet our fans. There's a lot of noise going on up here. It kind of sounds like... Sounds tough. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Yep. Be well. Thank you. You know, some people uh, might say what we do is passive-aggressive. Thank you. Thank you. I just think that is so funny. <laughs> so I've watched it a hundred times. I think it's funny. If you've ever lived in an apartment, you maybe know how that feels. I want to ask you a question. Do you ever feel like that downstairs neighbor? Uh, do you feel dishonored or disrespected? Or let me reverse it. How many of you feel honored? You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you feel honored right now? How many of you feel honored by your boss, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your spouse? I'm guessing for some of you, you don't feel honored. Some of you, maybe you've been lied about. Maybe you've been gossiped about, and you feel dishonored. We are in a sermon series about the virtues that make us honorable people, courage, humility, loyalty. But one of the things honorable people do is they show honor to others. And we see less and less of that these days, right? In our our culture, particularly our political discourse, very little honor going on. But that's just one example of a lack of honoring people in in our culture. So before I go any further, I want to define what I mean by showing honor uh, to others. It does not mean that you have to like them. It does not mean that you agree with them. We can honor people we don't like or disagree with. Nor does it mean you just kind of tolerate destructive or hurtful behavior in others. No, that's not honoring to them. Honoring is to confront them but do it in an honoring way. And this sermon will focus mostly on our personal relationships. uh, But maybe if we figure out how to do that, we can go to our culture and on a national level teach each other how to honor each other because that's hard to do when it gets bigger. But even then, I think it's still possible to confront in a way that honors 
Martin Luther King said that his struggle wasn't just for African Americans, but for the white racist who would never be free until they rid themselves of the racism and fear that was consuming them. He confronted in an honoring way. So here's the definition I want to use. To honor someone is a decision. It's not a feeling. It is a decision to treat someone with dignity and use what I have to help others be who God created them to be. Treat with dignity, help them become who they're created to be through what I have. And I'm going to address four questions, all right? Why do we honor? How do we honor? Who do we honor? And what does it look like practically speaking. And I'll also say a few words along the way uh, to how to respond when we have been dishonored. Okay, why should we honor others? Because God commands us to. Next point. <laughs> right? Like that should be enough, right? But we are a what's in it for me people. So let me give you one other reason, okay? One other why. Honor releases blessing and life for everyone. Which brings us to the very weird story that Dave just read. This is the first time he's read scripture and we give him that. I feel badly for him. Um, it brings us to this weird story where a group of young men mock the prophet Elisha. They say, go on up, you bald head. Go on up, you bald head. Then he called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. The word of the Lord. <laughs> now, I am sure you were wondering why on earth did I pick this story? Well, I actually, I think it should be obvious. Look at my hairline. <laughs> I am warning you. This is what happens when you mock bald pastors, all right? This week during dinner, my family was discussing what this story might mean, you know, as you do in your families. And uh, my son said, well, duh, it means to stay away from bears. <laughs> yes, but let's go a little deeper, Okay. Okay, a couple of things you need to know about this story. Okay, first, the Hebrew word that is used here where it's translated boys, that's a terrible translation. The Hebrew word used almost always refers to people in their late teens or early 20s. So we're not talking six-year-olds here. Second, this happens near the town of Bethel where people worshipped an idol called Baal. And they hated Elisha because he represented God. In fact, the queen had tried to kill Elisha's mentor, who's named Elijah. Right, earlier. So this is hostile territory. Third, in Hebrew, their taunt literally says, go on up, go on up, which probably refers to what just happened a few verses earlier, where Elisha's mentor, Elijah, is taken up into heaven. So go on up is kind of, you know, may the same thing happen to you. So in other words, a large group of young men are shouting death threats at Elisha. That's what's going on, Okay. And notice, it doesn't say that God sent the bears. I mean, that's kind of the implication, but it doesn't say that. And the Bible usually points out when God punishes someone. Nor does it say that Elisha called the bears. It says he just cursed in the name of God, which maybe you have done. I don't know. And, and the text doesn't even necessarily approve of what Elisha did. It's descriptive, not necessarily prescriptive. Okay, but I think there's an even deeper meaning. And here I'm indebted to a pastor named Banning Liebscher who points out that you got to read this story in the context of the whole chapter. Because see, right before this, Elijah, who is Elisha's mentor, is taken up into heaven, and he knows it's going to happen. And he, so he says to Elisha, okay, leave me now. And Elisha says, as surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. I'm loyal. You're my mentor. You're older than me. I'm showing you respect. I will not leave you. And then Elijah, Elijah says, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? How can I bless you, younger man? How can I empower you, younger man? And then Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. 
In other words, I admire you so much as my mentor, I want to be doubly like you. Okay, so check it out. Here's what's going on. The older generation, Elijah, is honoring and empowering the younger generation, Elisha, and the younger generation is honoring and listening to the older generation. And Elijah never made Elisha feel young and inept. Instead, he empowered him and helped him succeed. And Elisha never made Elijah feel like he was being replaced and put out to pasture because he honored him as a mentor and listened to him. It was a culture of honor between the generations, and the result was blessing and life for everyone. But then in the story we read, we have the opposite. It's a culture of dishonor between the generations. There's cursing and there's mocking going on between them, and that brings death. Chris Martinson, you know him. He leads worship here. Uh, he has helped my thinking on this issue a lot. He's talked a lot about a culture of honor, what that might look like. And he says, where there is no honor, everyone is afraid. And when people are afraid, they want to control. When we don't honor one another, we get afraid of rejection, failure, losing status. And when we get afraid, we try to control people. And that leads to more fear and more control, right? But a culture of honor brings life. What if your workplace or school were a culture of honor? You knew that, that if your coworkers talked about you behind your back, it was only to talk about the good stuff. You knew you, you were going to be listened to and treated with respect no matter what. Wouldn't that be a good place to work? Teams would work better together because everyone trusted everyone. That would be one benefit to a culture of honor. But there are more benefits. The text from Romans says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we think less of ourselves. Sober judgment means I don't think I'm better than or worse than anyone else. And that brings freedom. Freedom from feeling like a schmuck if I think I'm worse than. Freedom from having to prove myself all the time if I think I'm better than. To honor frees us from that. Plus, honor begets honor. When we honor other people, not all of them will honor us back, but a lot will. And Bell Press, of all places, shouldn't a church be a culture of honor? When you walk through those doors, you know the minute you do that you're going to be respected, never gossiped about, right? You're going to be treated with dignity no matter what you've done or what you haven't done, no matter your politics. See, God calls the church to be a culture of honor, a different kind of society that cuts across the usual divisions of class, race, nation, economics. Honor releases blessing and life. That's the why. Second, how. How do we do this? Because it's really, really hard to honor others sometimes. Well, we can honor because we have been honored. Jesus says this, and it's a, you will not find any other religious figure saying this. This is... This is a shocking verse in the Bible. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Show me another God who calls us friends. They don't exist. See, Jesus doesn't just love you because theologically he has to, right? He believes in you. He likes you. Believes in you so much, he wants you to be part of the family business, which is to bring heaven down to earth. See, in most ancient religions, humans were made just to serve the gods, bring them food and stuff. In modern religions, the message to us is, you better shape up or else. Only the God revealed in Jesus calls us friend and invites us into the family business. Psalm 8 says this, What are human beings that you are mindful of them, that you care for them, yet you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor? See, you aren't just forgiven. You are a royal son. You are a royal daughter of the Most High King. And for the, that, that, that is why we can show honor to others. We have been honored. 
And for those of you who don't feel honored right now, who feel dishonored, you've been lied about, you've been gossiped about, hear this. There's a man in the Old Testament named Joseph who was lied about, falsely accused of a crime that he did not commit, thrown into jail. But even then, he languished there for years, but even then he honored his persecutors. Didn't agree with them, probably didn't like them, but he treated them with dignity anyway. And eventually God brought out the truth and Joseph was made prime minister of Egypt. People dishonor Jesus. He knows what it feels like, and he is your pain bearer if you have been dishonored. He bears your pain, and he is the keeper of your reputation like he was with Joseph. And in due season, he will lift you up. And the more we experience that honor from him in worship, prayer, through each other, it gets easier to honor other people. Which brings me to the third question. Who do we honor? Okay? The Bible's super clear on this. The Bible says this, show proper respect to everyone except people who don't deserve it or who get on your nerves. <laughs> it's a very famous verse out of 1 Peter. I'm sure you all memorized it in Sunday school, right? Actually, that's not from 1 Peter. It's from the book of First Opinions. The real verse says this, show proper respect to everyone. And in case you're wondering, I looked up the Greek word for everyone. Guess what it means? Everyone. And it says, even honor the emperor who was persecuting Christians at the time. Some people are not treating you right. They are dishonoring you, but you can still show respect, treat them with dignity, even though they don't deserve it and even though they're in the wrong. And I'll get to that in a minute. In other words, we honor all people. Now, that doesn't mean to agree, as I just said. It doesn't mean we agree. It doesn't mean we approve of hurtful behavior. And I'll get to that. But to honor others is a mark of a virtuous person, right? A virtuous person honors others. But if I say, I'm only going to honor you if you deserve it, then what I've really said is, your actions determine my character. If an honorable person honors people, but I say, I only honor you if you deserve it, then what I've given you the power, your actions determine my character. I'm not going to give you that much power. On social media, when someone posts something we disagree with, it's like we can't stop our fingers from moving, right? Like, I have to respond, and I'm going to do it with lots of verbal eye-rolling and strawman arguments because you're wrong, and my post will change your mind. Oh, you give yourself way too much credit. Like, all you do is add to the toxicity. We can disagree without being disagreeable. And the way we do that is by not assigning bad motives to people all the time. By remembering the person we disagree with, like us, shares our goal, wants the best for this country. Everyone, every race, every age, every person, right? They just think there's a different way to get there than you. So dial it down. One of the people I follow on social media recently said this in a post. She said, I have friends who've encouraged me to be less kind in my activism for various reasons. Waste of energy on people who don't get it. It's more honest, etc. I can't do that. I believe we should confront oppression when we see it, but as a Christian, I'm personally called to a different way. Jesus asked me to embody love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. It means that a soft answer turns away wrath and that I should have the law of kindness on my tongue. And what's interesting is I don't always agree with her politically, theologically, but because she gives her opinions in an honoring way, says, I know that your motives are good, I just see it differently, here's why. Focuses on issues rather than on people. Because she honors, she has changed my mind. She has, I hear her better. I listen more carefully because she honors. This just works better. It just works. We're called to honor our leaders, not agree with them, honor them, treat them with dignity. We're called to honor our spiritual leaders. The Bible says this, elders are worthy of double honor, especially those who preach and teach. And yes, I recognize it's incredibly self-serving for me to quote that verse, right? 
But that does not mean that the preacher is always right. Of course not. It just means our default is God has chosen this person, so this may be a word from God to me, even if I don't like what they just said. So before I reject it, I need to first honestly ask myself and ask Jesus, are you trying to teach me something here, Jesus, even if I don't like it? i got to do that first honestly before I dismiss it. Now, it goes the other way around. Leaders should also honor the people they lead, absolutely. But leaders are called to make decisions from time to time. When I first came here, I didn't really think of myself as a leader, and I hate to disappoint people, so I made every decision by consensus, everything. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Every single decision. Now, on many decisions, that is the right way to do it, and we do a lot of that here, but not on every little thing, right? Finally, in one meeting, I was doing the, well, what do you think? What do you think thing? And one of the staff people said, would you just please make a decision? That's what we pay you for. And I said, oh, is that what you all think I should do? And he said, stop it. <laughs> You're doing it again. So let me do just a little bit of a pop quiz here, okay? Let's say at work or in a volunteer organization or church or school, let's say someone makes a decision you don't like. How should you handle it? Should you A, gossip about, I mean, I'm sorry, share your concerns with others so that you can together speculate as a group on why this decision was made, and it's got to be for bad reasons, right? Or B, assume the decision maker had good reasons and either trust that and be silent or talk to the decision maker directly in a way that assumes goodwill. Church, which is it? B, do you always do it? Neither do I. Neither do I. We're in this together, all of us. And by the way, just parenthetically, whenever you say to your boss, you know, it's not just me. I've talked to lots of people in the office, and they're upset about it too. Like, you just confess to gossip. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Because see, unless you told all those other people, I know there's a good reason for this decision, and you should talk to the decider directly. Unless you said that, you gossiped. I remember once getting an anonymous letter, very shaming. It even criticized the sound of my wife's voice. And, I talked, and it talked a lot about how pastors should have a certain demeanor, and I did not have that demeanor, and my bad grammar was an offense to God. I mean, it, just, it was like three pages about, you know, all the ways that I screw up. Um, and I handled it in a very mature way. I wadded it up and threw it in the trash as hard as I could and said some Elisha-like comments. <laughs> like, where are those bears when you need them, right? But the next day it was still in the trash, which is unusual because it's normally emptied every night. And I thought, okay, maybe this is a sign. So I put a letter on my desk. And for the next week, every morning, I would put my hand on it. And I would say, Lord, help me to hear what I need to hear from this letter and disregard what is not of you. And I began to see that some of the criticism was justified. Not all of it, but some of it really was justified. And there were things I did need to change, and I have changed them since. And I realized I had judged the letter writer as harshly, if not more so, as they had judged me, so I needed grace too. I honored the letter writer, eventually. <laughs> and the result was blessing in life for me. And had he just signed the, his name or her name, I could have told him that, right? See, there are times we do have to confront others for their hurtful and their bad behavior. We absolutely have to do it, but we can still honor them as we do it. Because you know how sometimes people will say to you, everyone, we've all had this, right? Scott, you're great at X, Y, and Z, but here are all the ways you suck as a human being. Right? The but just cancels out the good stuff, right? That's why I don't like the sandwich method. Say a good thing, then the criticism, then a good thing is manipulative. 
With people, it's never a but. It's always an and. You're great at X, Y, and Z, and you got some growth opportunities, don't we all? And both are true. The bad does not cancel the good, and vice versa. See, when we honor others, even in disagreement, we're saying the relationship is more important to me than me getting you to do what I want. And even in a heated conflict, even in a heated conflict, we often share some same goals, and if we rally around those, often it brings healing. Plus, Jesus says, whatever you have done for the least of these, you have done it for me. So when we honor others, we are honoring Jesus himself, saying, I don't like this person, they're mean, but I'm going to honor them anyway, Jesus, because I love you. I know of a man who was cheating on his wife, and his friend found out, called him up, and said, we need to talk, dude. So they met, and the friend said, First thing the friend said to him was, thank you for meeting with me. You are trusting me with a difficult situation. So he, on, right away, honoring, even as he's confronting. And then the friend said, look, I know you want to be a man of integrity, so what was going on inside of you that you did what I know deep down you don't want to do? And that started a process where the man saw how he had hurt people. He asked forgiveness from his wife. He made amends. Now, that, all that took time, but the marriage was healed. Now, was that man's wife understandably angry? Yeah, of course. Did he need to ask her forgiveness? Absolutely. Did he need to make amends? Of course. But his friend confronted in a way that still honored him and probably worked better than if the friend had said, listen here, you miserable little scumbag. And the result of that culture of honor was blessing and new life. Let's say it's a boss who's always on your case, just a difficult boss. Honoring might mean saying, you know what, I know you want to be the best manager you can be because that's probably true. And I can't imagine how hard your job is. You've got a really hard job, and I want to do my best. So can I tell you some things that motivate me and demotivate me? And then you use I statements. When this happens, I feel motivated. When this happens, I'm demotivated. Now, that's not going to work every time, okay? But it's going to work more times than if you just kind of disrespect and dishonor. Maybe it's a teacher, a neighbor, a friend. How can you confront and still treat with dignity? Several years ago, I made a decision that one of our pastors, Dana, didn't like. And she called me up and she said, I don't like this decision, Scott, but I know you, and I know you must have had good reasons for making this decision, and maybe if you told me some of those reasons, I'd feel better about it. She honored me. She assumed good will. Why? It releases blessing in life. How? Because we have been honored by Jesus, who is our pain bearer. And who? Everyone. Last. What? What does that look like practically? Okay, and this is your homework, all right? Here's your homework. First of all, worship. Worship is where we give honor to Jesus, as we just did. And worship puts Jesus in his rightful place, which puts us in our rightful place. And this week, you can worship Jesus by praying two prayers every day. Jesus, thank you for, and then fill in the blank. And Jesus, what's great about you is, and then fill in the blank. Second, praise people's strengths. Even if they've hurt you, there's got to be at least one good thing about that person. Third, acknowledge that you yourself are not perfect, because that creates a culture of honor. A while back, we had some consultants here who were in their 20s to help us learn how we can better empower young adults. And these consultants, they were like 25. They asked some of the young adults that are part of our church, what would you want to say to the older people in Bell Press? And they said, we would apologize for not following through on commitments we've made, and we would ask their forgiveness for not always honoring them as much as we want to be honored. See, that's a culture of honor. So let me ask us older folks, and I'll let you decide if you fit into that category or not. What would you want to ask forgiveness for from our young adults? 
And then fourth, pray for a person it's difficult for you to honor and see if your heart doesn't shift at least a little bit. And by the way, that means pray good stuff for them, right? It's like, that. No, I pray that their car would crash. I prayed for them. No, you know, it's like, like the good stuff. And see if that doesn't shift your heart just a little. I'll close with this. I have a friend who was the children's ministry director at a church that did not believe in women in ministry, and she was a woman. So her hire was very controversial, first woman on staff. Now, I think that's a misreading of the Bible because it overlooks all the places where women do lead, where women do have authority, right? But that was their opinion. Well, they were, one week they were doing a Bible study as a staff, and the senior pastor was talking about the, how the husband is the boss in the marriage and gets to make all the decisions. Again, disagree. The Bible talks about spouses honoring each other, but that's where they were at. My friend said, I respectfully see it differently. <clears throat> this led to all kinds of discussions, long discussions that went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, trying to change her mind, weeks and weeks and weeks. Finally, in one staff meeting, the senior pastor pushed back from the table he was sitting at, pointed at my friend, and he said, woman, who is the head of your house? And she said, Jesus is. And he said, that's not good enough. Wow, there's a statement, right? Well, he decided that she needed to be fired for not agreeing with his interpretation. But in that church, he didn't have authority to fire anybody. Only the elder in charge of HR could do that. And the elder was a volunteer, the poor guy, right? <laughs> and the elder didn't want to do it because he saw my friend had all these gifts for ministry. But he also wanted to honor the pastor's leadership. So he prayed, even though he thinks the pastor's wrong. So he prayed and prayed and prayed about it for a couple of days, and eventually he went to my friend and he said, you know what, this just is never going to be a place where you can flourish. This is never going to be a place where your gifts are appreciated. So you're fired. And then he handed her a check for thousands of dollars, several thousand dollars, and said, now, go to seminary and become a pastor, which is what she did. And she went on to a church. Church was blessed by her ministry in all kinds of ways. Now, I think that senior pastor should have been respectfully confronted, and had it happened in this church, he would have been. Boy, howdy, would he have been <laughs> in this church, right? But as it turned out, as it turned out, years later, he did eventually change his opinion, and he apologized to my friend. But it's the elder I'm focused on. He threaded the needle. He honored the pastor, even though he didn't agree, but also honored my friend by using what he had, money, to help her be everything God created her to be, a pastor. And the result was blessing and life for everybody. So where have you been dishonored? Where have you been lied about, gossiped about, treated disrespectfully? How can you let Jesus be your pain bearer? How can you trust Jesus that he is the guardian of your reputation and he will lift you up in due season? How can you connect with him? And then how can you show honor to others even when it's hard? And what blessings might you release in your life and in theirs? And how might your honoring them turn away wrath? And how can you create a culture of honor around you so everyone can flourish? Because you see, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. That's honor. And sometimes we are not honorable, and Jesus doesn't always agree with us, but he honors us anyway. And he says that we are conquerors and co-heirs with him. We can honor others because we have been honored ourselves by none other than the King of Kings. So Jesus, thank you for that good news. And Lord, ask that you first help us to connect, experience the way you love and honor us. And for those in this room, Lord, who have been dishonored and are feeling the sting of that, I pray your grace. I pray your presence. I pray that you help them know that you bear their pain. 
and guard their reputation and we'll lift them up in due season. And Jesus, for the rest of us, help us to experience your love and your honoring of us so that we can give it away to others. In your name, Lord. Amen.